listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Connolly. On each episode, I'll have a guest who will give us a peek into what it looks like for her to run on mission in her everyday life. Our prayer is that it leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news right where you're at. You know, it's going to be a good interview when the tears are flowing before we ever hit record. This episode is an interview with my friend and wonderful author and speaker, Rebecca Lyons. And we actually recorded an episode together in early October, and it was sacred and beautiful. And we did it at her office in Nashville. And it was genuinely one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. And it got lost. It didn't save correctly. And I was so discouraged and frustrated. And we tried hard to get it back and we just couldn't. I just tried to believe God wanted us to talk about something else, but I knew Rebecca was getting ready to go to China to adopt her daughter. And so I thought it would be really hard to get her back on because her life is so full and rightfully so. But I was so grateful when she graciously offered to re-record an episode together here in January. And now after this interview, I know this is really what God wanted to go forth. So just buckle your seatbelt is what I would say. Just hold on. (laughs) maybe get a Bible or a journal. For sure, you're going to want to get a journal and enjoy this snippet, this testimony of God's faithfulness in Rebecca's season right now. But in true Rebecca style, as I'm so glad she did, she just preaches straight to my heart. And I know she will tears as well about God's nearness, his goodness, his fullness, and his wholeness in us. So enjoy, friends. Hey friends, I'm so thankful today that we have time with this incredible woman, incredible friend, Rebecca. So I have to intro by saying you and I (laughs) recorded a podcast episode two months ago, maybe three months ago now, and it will live as my favorite podcast episode I've ever recorded. And it (laughs) didn't save on my computer and I was devastated. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You know that? I did. I did. Well, I knew we were re-recording for some reason, (laughs) but I'm going to tell you what I, I, it was so incredible. And I later just feel like, I mean, God used it in my life, but I don't know for whatever reason he let that happen and he's letting us talk again, but I just thank you so much. This is such a crazy full season for you. And I really, really, really value your time. Not once, but now twice to make time to be on the podcast. No, this is, this is my joy. Maybe this should be our strategy. Like every month we record a podcast, (laughs) lose it and then call back. (laughs) Yeah. It makes makes us be able to get some time to talk. No, it's like a regular phone call check-in and maybe, or maybe not someone else will hear. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. Hey, tell everybody what life looks like right now, because this is not your norm. This is not normal January. Oh, we were just laughing because two minutes before this podcast began, Joy and I were playing Go Fish, where you really got to get that fishing pole right in the fish's mouth (laughs) while it's turning on a turntable and lift it out. And I'm like, man, this is hard for me. This is why I didn't play team sports. My eye-hand coordination is lacking. But she's doing it and she's learning colors and she finally at the end, she had like three left and she started grunting and turned it off and just started yanking them out with her hand. (laughs) 
She's like, I'm going to conquer this thing, darn it, which makes me like so happy. I'm like, girl, just do what you have to do. Get scrappy with it. Yes, yes. <laughs> These are the real life skills. Yeah. So you guys adopted baby Joy. You brought her home. I, mean, I say baby, but she's four or three. Five. Five and a half. I know. It's funny because there's some some sweet kids, obviously, from our church who've been praying for her for a year, and she was always referenced as Baby Joy. Yeah. (laughs) So we're, like, together with a couple families over Christmas just for a meal, and this three-year-old kept being like, Baby Joy, Baby Joy, and Joy's looking at her like, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm in kindergarten. I'm your elder. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I know how this Let It Go song works. I've sang this in Mandarin. Um, well, I have an almost six-year-old, and I call him a baby. So, you know, it's it, it feels Definitely like, our baby. Yes, I love it. So and she's and been- Cade will always call her Baby Joy. He is obsessed with Baby Joy, so that will be her name. But, yes, we landed back from Beijing uh, December 14th. So it's been, what, three weeks? Yeah. Something like that. Three weeks. Yeah. Okay, and how does this January compare? How does it look as compared to last January or your normal start of the year? Well, it's so funny because, you know, January is the month, right, for all the goals and all the, like, ambitions and aspirations. And I just remember, like, January 1, just being so proud of myself for showering and getting three meals on the table every day for three teens and a toddler. I was just like, finally, I'm like, when does school start back exactly? (laughs) Because it's just so funny how you do get the muscle memory back of having toddlers when, you know, you bring one home. Because while she's five, she's definitely the size of like a four-year-old. She's small. She has Down syndrome. She's Asian. She's short. You know, she's little. But she, she packs a lot in that little body. But the interesting thing about this year in particular is that my publisher is so kind. I mean, I've been working on a book for a few months now, and they gave me not one but two extensions because of China. And, and so it's due in 10 days. So my free time, I mean, there is no free time, but let's be honest when there's napping happening or someone's in a bathtub playing and I'm nearby, I'm typing, I'm writing. And that's just it. And I'm so grateful for it. Honestly, you know, I remember when we considered this decision a year ago and my kids are almost 18, 15, 13, right. And then now five and going back to kindergarten, though, not quite really, it'll be a phase in for sure this spring. But I just remember thinking, I don't even know what to do with that. And now my vocation, which looked like last year, 30 cities on the road, teaching and, and writing and, um, you know, just the whole side of that. And I think what's been so great is that what, when the Lord invited me into this, I just kept praying, change my desires because I don't even know that I want this. It's going to cramp my style (laughs) and it absolutely has, but it's done it in a way that I think is so full. I remember being like, does that mean I quit ever teaching? And God's like, do you trust me? And I'm like, does that mean I quit writing? And God's like, do you trust me? And I think what he's showing me is that his fullness is different than mine. It's this breadth of right in the moments and the smallness and the, and the stillness and the quiet of just like a day at home eating leftover soup versus always going, but it's also not hiding in that place either. It's also still risking and still working and still offering something to the world as well. 
while I'm offering something here at home that's never going to be seen, that's going to be hidden, that's going to be intimate. And I think that fullness is really what it calls us to. He's like in Psalm 139, you know, in my going out, in my lying down, you're familiar with all my ways. And I want that. I want to feel his nearness in the quiet, wooded walk. And I want to feel his nearness when I jump on a plane and travel somewhere, which won't be for a little bit. But I'm grateful for that because when I try to hang in either extreme, it becomes insecure and controlled versus going, I just, I'll trust you in the cadence of being nimble in walking out the call and assignment you have on my life. That is, that is for someone to hear for sure. That is for all of us to hear. Um, and, and Lord, let it be that you would cramp our style whatever you've called us to. If, yeah. if it's staying at home with kiddos, if it's traveling to teach, yeah. if it's pressing in, in unseen jobs, if it's stepping into new leadership roles, would you cramp our style? Would you cramp yeah. our, like, what comes natural and easy to us and right. and make us have to press into the spirit? Um, right. Man, that's so encouraging. Okay, what is hard about this season? What's been tough about it? Well, I think, you know, just trying to put myself in her context, just to be fair, like it feels like a newborn phase as far as adjustment. So I think some people are like, she's five, get over it, (laughs) put her in school and go back to work. But no healthy attachment for a child who's never had a mom or a dad, especially by age five, takes three to six months minimum. And I want to honor that and take it seriously because what will happen is she'll just be like, oh, this is my new temporary thing. And she won't really even understand the concept of mom and dad, brother, sister. She's never had a family ever. And so what I'm really monitoring and my radar is so high for is like, how is she attaching with Cade today? How about Kennedy? How about Pierce? How about Gabe? Because to me, she's definitely once prefers me because I'm always there. Whereas they go to school, you know, and Gabe goes to work and I, I guess kind of work when I can steal a moment from home. But in general, I'm the one here. And, you know, we don't really have help, quote unquote, a nanny or anything, because we just never have. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't maybe down the road. But currently, it's just super, super important for Gabe and I to be the ones who care for her. So we are the only ones who can meet her physical needs, not even the siblings. So we are the only ones who can bathe or dress or feed her. Siblings can play, but parents are the ones who she has to see as her actual provision. Isn't that crazy? Like, I just... I parallel so much of this with like the gospel and how God's like, I'm actually the only one who can provide for you, feed you, sustain you. Everyone else can like entertain you and keep you busy, but I'm the only one who is like responsible for your life. (laughs) And so I think I'm just seeing all these parallels in scripture with like who we are as mother and father. I guess the challenge of that is going like, this is no joke. Like you don't mess around with that. You don't decide you're going to take a day off. The beauty of that though, I think is his grace is showing up in it. I would have thought that I would have been just like, so beat down and just always like exhausted. And while I, the fatigue is not like I imagined it's more just steady. It's steady. You know, it's not extreme. And partly I think in the past, I would try to cram too many things in one day. And now when I'm like, our day is our day, it's here at home. We may run to target 10 minutes away for excitement, you know, (laughs) 
we will go for a walk outside and bundle up for excitement, you know, and I love the winter months for that reason. It allows us all a little extra permission to hibernate. I don't feel like I'm missing out on all these fantastic, like summer adventures <laughs> that everyone else is doing. So it's just a, it's a great way to just pull it, dial it way back, focus on the essentials that only I can do that only I am called to do. And then just let the rest just sit. And that's actually helped, helped it even in the challenge. It's helped it be, and, I, and I'm learning so much principles about life through this season. Cause I'm like, how many times do I not focus on the essentials and let everything else sit? A lot of times I'm still trying to juggle the things that God didn't actually ask me to do or assign for me to do. I just layered on top of what he initially asked me to do. And that's why I'm stressed out. Okay, so many threads here. First of all, this is interesting and beautiful to me. I think it's so beautiful how we come alive when we really experience our dependence on him. And mm -hmm. it's so it's so remarkable, the full circle of you experiencing your dependence on him as she experiences her dependence on you. Yeah. And and even just the like, right, is this what I want? Is it going to cramp my style? Is it going to be too hard? I don't know, we, especially just having gone through Christmas, this was this really important refrain for our family that we kept saying that we really, to experience more of God, we needed to almost reconnect with our dependence on him by stepping into those things he had assigned us or by opening our eyes to new things or by removing some of the opulence and the hmm. excess of the season yeah. to, to reconnect with, with our attachment to him, you know? Amen. And, Amen. And so I wonder what that looks like for all of us to just pause and say, you know, I mean, anytime I think we get like scratchy or stiff or frustrated with God, it may be because we've just forgotten that he's feeding us three times a day. It may be because we've forgotten like he's giving us breath, he's giving us life, he's giving us right. life and we're, and we're right. on our own or we're trying to right. on our own. Yeah. yeah, there's so many parallels, right? There's this book called The Connected Child we were required to read and it's all about attachment. And I'm like, if I hear another word, if I hear attachment one more time, like I didn't even really comprehend it. And basically they would say, even in correction, like if you correct and it starts to affect your attachment, then you, you ease up because connection needs to be without correction. And this idea, and I was just, I just kept thinking like, why is attachment so important? Well, it's because that creates connection. And I think, I think of all of us who are kind of walking forward in our lives and, and we wonder why we act as orphans before God, right? While we don't actually really trust that he's going to show up and give us our daily bread, show up and give us the nourishment that we need, the shelter, the food, the clothing, the things for our daily substance. And, and part of it, he's going, I am willing to hand you all these things every day, but our attachment is broken, which means we now know have, have no connection. And so you're running around like an orphan, having to pull up your bootstraps by yourself, having to provide for yourself, having to just believe that striving and hustle on your own is going to help you flourish. Yeah. And he's like, but you weren't made to live as orphans. You were not made to actually be stuck in a crib in a room with 18 cribs and have to entertain yourself inside that crib all day long. That's not what you were made for. And so I'm calling you out of that and I'm going to bring you home and I'm going to feed you every day, <laughs> you know, 
because that's actually what I created you for. Yeah. We're in this heavy season of agreement. This is like the theme of our family, our church. I'm, I'm walking, uh, we talked about it on the podcast, I'm walking a bunch of women through this idea of agreement, 21 days of agreement. The first thing that we agreed with yesterday was the first day, and it was, I agree that I'm a child of God. And yeah. I had this just extreme desire to kind of like reach through the computer and reach through the internet and say, there is going to be a temptation to skip over this. Like, right, 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 I'm a child of God. But yeah. I am just trying to turn it around from every different angle and look at that truth and say, if I believe I'm a child of God, then what is no longer true about me? Then what falls off? If I believe, if I agree with all that I am, with my mind, with my mouth, with my heart, with my soul, with my actions, with my money, with my time, if I believe that I'm a child of God, then what will I do and what will I not do anymore? Yeah. And I mean, maybe this, uh, what I'm taking from even what you're just saying is I will no longer have regret over my dependence. Mm. I'm a child of God. I will, I will boast in my dependence. Amen. So good. Yeah. Because what a grace, right? To, to like finally understand that you don't have to provide for yourself. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to hustle for your worth. I mean, it's a thing I've been saying for whatever long, but I'm now like seeing it through the lens of her. Right. And it's kind of going like, Hey, we're not going anywhere. You're not going to be placed in another home six months from now. And then another orphanage 12 months from now. It's just so hard for her to comprehend because she's not known it any other way. And I think for us, it's going to take relearning, like almost carving that new groove in our brain, even with God to go like, oh, that's true. Like you aren't going anywhere. You never have gone anywhere. I'm the one who's kind of like for whatever rejection or wound that I've heard in life given to me by people, not by God, I project onto God and think that he is now that person too, that abandons or fails, but actually he is the one who is constant. And so part of, I think our healing and our freedom of identity has to come back to separating maybe the root wound that made us act like orphans to then come back to God and go like, okay, remind me who I am. I wrote a chapter on identity for this new book. I'm like, just so much as like our identity is not us labeling ourselves by our brokenness and all the diagnoses that the world has given us. That's not our identity. Our identity begins with who God says we are, who he claims that we are. And those other things are just things that come against us, the things we might struggle with. But God has said, I am bigger than those things. So those do never define us. And part of it, I just think for a lot of us, no matter where we are in life, how old we are in life, what we've seen and what we've witnessed and experienced, it's there's an unlearning and then a, a new, like learning new. Like you got to unlearn and then you got to start from scratch. But the beauty is like, it's obviously possible I mean, kids do attach, we can attach, we can reattach to the father, we can reattach to our marriages, we can reattach to our children, to our parents. Like there's hope, obviously, for reconciliation in every relationship that we walk in. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Wow, that's good. Let's pause, let's pause and say this right now. If you're listening to this podcast, one of my biggest hopes for the whole Go and Tell Gals podcast 
is that you here, your life is full of mission. It just is one way or another. You're, you're shaping and changing the world one way or another if you never leave the house. If you're with children, if you're a barista, if you do nails, if you work in an office, if you want to write books, if you want to teach, if you run a small business, if you're a student, you are changing the world no matter what. Um, mm. And and I pray more than anything you're hearing in this episode with Rebecca. And But what I want to say specifically is, Rebecca, you are literally my favorite Bible teacher. I mean, I my husband's really my favorite, but like number two <laughs> is Rebecca Lyons. And Gosh. I, I, not only are you a phenomenal teacher, you're also a really incredible writer. You're an incredible friend. You're a prophet. You're a pastor. Like you, you do all these things so well. And, and we're talking about you seeing God and, ex, and experiencing him and his abundance in your mission as you play go fish. And yeah. like, this is it. Mm. This is life. This is this is mission. This is abundance. Yeah, for sure. So I pray just really specifically that women are hearing this. We just don't have time anymore to maintain the regrets of our season. Um, Mm-mm. We, Mm-mm. we have to open our eyes and stop buying this lie from the enemy that if, if we got this position or if we got this power, or if we got this gift, or if this person saw us, then we would, you know, finally be able to use our God given gifts, but no, like it's, it's right here today, changing the world and not just changing the world, but being changed by his power in it. Like yeah. You experiencing him and, and preaching through that, uh, you know, in these really just normal, natural ways. I'm, I'm just really grateful. Mm, so um, sweet. What's helping? What's helping you in this season? Let's say that there are adoptive moms who are coming up on this season of attachment or women who know women that they want to support well in this season, or even women who know, you know what, I'm taking a big step back from, from a busier schedule. What's helping you? What small tools are serving you in this season? So yeah, for sure. While there's connection with her, there's connection with my community and that's helping huge. We have a wraparound ministry at our church that just comes around families who've adopted or fostered. So we're getting like some epic meals every two or or three days, which is amazing. I can't, I mean, last night (laughs) we were like giddy about Chinese walking through the door because I basically made them soup for like two weeks. So it's like the silly things, but you know, I, I just like, we all, at the end of the day, we crave connection, whether it's in our work or our home or our family or our friends, our community, like healthy vitality, living with vitality is going to come in our relationships. It's, I mean, yes, part of it will come in our work for sure, but ultimately it's work with relationships, you know, relationships are the key and it doesn't almost matter what you do. If you have healthy, thriving relationships, you're going to be emotionally healthy. You just are because people love you. You love them back. You take care of each other. And so that's been huge for me. Just having people check in, having people pop by and just meet her when it's quieter and there's not like 20 people running around. I haven't been able to go to church. We went twice and made it through like the worship set. And then she just basically wanted to like, I think she's Pentecostal because she likes to shout back (laughs) (laughs) at at whoever's teaching. And I was like, and it's, it might be in Mandarin. So it's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, okay, maybe we'll just walk around the lobby for a minute. You know, obviously I'm tuning in here and there, but it's just, that's, that's where we are. And, and it's so sweet to have people kind of come by and drop off a meal or just come play with her and get to know her on a level that's less input. <laughs> and then, you know, the other thing I would say to people who might not be thrilled about their moment or their season or whatever it is that they've, the one thing I started this last year, cause I, I'm not the typical adoptive mom. Like it wasn't, it was a conversation raised every three years for three minutes. And it was like, could we, should we No, we're full, whatever. And then when it did come, it was so clear because three years prior, I had told the Lord, if you ever want this to happen, you need to put her right in front of our face and I will name her joy. And three years later, Meredith texted me a photo of a girl right in front of my face and said, her name is Cara. And I said, do you mean joy in Greek? And she said, yes. And it was like, from that moment on, I knew like, like two days later, Gabe was all in. I was like, wait a minute, you were supposed to be my out. <laughs> like, so all of a sudden it's like the Lord just kept dropping me. It's like, it's time. You asked for abundance. You asked for a year of abundance in my name and it's time. And it's going to you know, be an abundance in the places that you don't currently see as valuable. Last year was such a disruption for that reason. I started early on. I said yes before I felt it. And I said yes before I really wanted it. I just knew that I couldn't shake it or run from it. And then immediately I began to say, God, give me your desires. You have made it very clear <laughs> that this is what obedience looks like for us. And so I'm in, but I want to like want it. I want to like be crazy about it. I can act my way into feeling to a certain point, but like, I want to really just like this maternal instinct to kick back in. And so I just got diligent with saying, give me your desires. I know these are your desires. Give them to me, make them real, make them like tangible. And I'm an emotional four on the Enneagram. I want to feel all the feels about this thing. And that's what he's done. That's what's so crazy. And I think partly God's just saying, ask me what's best for your life. And then ask me to give you grace for what I actually choose that's best for your life. Because the worst is for him to give us his best for our life. And we can't even see it because we are so covered in discontentment so covered in resentment that we won't actually be able to experience him in the way that he imagined when he asked us into this thing. So it's, it's like, what's the point of begrudging obedience? Like, you know, we tell our kids, like, you need to obey, like, quickly, cheerfully. Now, now granted, I'm like, it's okay to be frustrated. Like, but at some point you just got to decide that whatever state I'm in, I want to be content. And, and then I want to push that a step further and be like, I want to have joy in it. I want to, I want to actually desire it. And so I know this might sound annoying if you're like, shut up, Rebecca, I don't want to be content because trust me, I have been on that side too. Then, then just go take a long walk, like go outside, bundle up, take a long walk in the woods, have it out with God, tell him all the reasons you're mad at him for the things that he's made you do or asked you to do and why you just like want to just scream, get it out. Like, don't, don't hide it. Don't harbor it. He's not stupid. He knows that's where you're at. But once you confess it, like just get it out. You don't even have to have heart of repentance yet. You could just get it out to the point that on the other side of getting it out, the tears will begin to fall. And the heart will begin to soften and you'll begin to be pliable again and moldable and you'll begin to surrender again. And then on the other side of surrender is acceptance, then belief and then joy. Mm -hmm. And so 
while it seems like, no, I don't want to like this. I hate this. Actually, I've been caring for this whoever for so long and I don't see the other side of it. Like be honest with the pain of that. Be honest with the grief or the trauma of that. But then get it out with the Lord and say, God, fill me with your mercy and your grace so that my heart can be changed and in tune so that I don't miss what this season is actually offering me. Yes, that's a word. That is good. And also pause. Here's what I would add. If you would say like, you know what? I don't want contentment. I don't want to fight for it. I would say like, what's the opposite of that? You want to be discontent? Yeah. That's your choice. (laughs) <laughs> well, the thing is, is like, we are discontent. We just yeah. don't own it. Yeah. You know, yeah. our frustration, our bitterness is that we just don't want to name it. But then I'm like, gosh, thank you, God, that you gave us vocabulary. Because when I can actually name the fear, name the anger, name the frustration, it loses power immediately because I've at least owned it. And owning it is is like this step towards going, I don't want to live in this. I don't want to camp here. I want to acknowledge it and call it true because it is where I'm at. But I want to only own it so that I can come on the other side of it. And I don't know. That's just been my cycle. I don't know. Has that been that like that for you? Like you're walking through a season that just doesn't seem to end and you're just so ticked off. It's like at some point I just got to have it out. And then the Lord just it's like something breaks. Yeah. And I think exactly what you said, like, I'm so thankful for language. I'm so thankful for the way he made our brains. Like so often I just have to sit down and map it out or write it out or, you know, physically again, just write like, when did I start feeling this way? When did I stop fighting, you know, for, for the intimacy that's been purchased for me? When did I, when did yeah. I walk away from this? When did I, you know, buy the lie that this isn't who I am anymore? You know, what, what happened here? Where am I at right now? And, and I just have to write it. I spent like the last half of 2018 really digging into neuroplasticity, which I'm sure you know a ton about. Just the idea of writing out what I'm thinking is so powerful. Like that, that's why journaling is important because it's, It's scientific that sometimes we just have to take our hand and physically with our body put on paper, Mm -hmm. like this is what's happening in my head. And this is what I know to be true. This is what I feel. And this is what I know. This is where I'm at, but this is where I want to be. This is where I perceive myself to be, but this is where the kingdom says I am. And I have to, I have to make some agreements now with truth. Right. Absolutely. Mm. It's the, it's the release, you know, it's like in every area, whether it's writing, running, um, serving, you know, it's like we take in all this input and yet we, and then we let it like just kind of like sit in our brains, sit in our bodies, make us sick. And it becomes a chronic thing, you know, uh, like whether it's a mental illness, whether it's a physical illness, because we've taken in negativity, we don't have a place to put it. We don't have a, a release valve. And so journaling, absolutely. I started that pretty much daily in 2013 one full journal a year, because if I can't somehow get out what's been like swirling on a loop, I will just lay there in the dark, you know, 
3 to 4 a.m. easy. But then, like you said, there's a rewiring by release. Physical, same thing. Like I write a lot on that in this book, this new book, because our bodies need release. Our minds need release. (laughs) You know, it's like part of like getting it back out keeps us like in a healthy ability to take in new things that are good, right? Because what happens if you're so like bottlenecked and you're like, I'm at capacity, people. I have no margin. Then if you don't get rid of some stuff, you're actually not going to make room for the good that needs to come in. Like confession is the exhale, the release, but then the input, like then all of a sudden you're, you're more ready to hear like, Oh, okay, God, now I am curious. What do you think about this? Yeah. I actually have margin to actually ask that question and margin to listen (laughs) and receive. my friends trying to cut back on the money they spend in the new year. I am, I am. One of the biggest ways I'm doing that is trying not to buy coffee out, just trying to drink coffee at home. And the good news is we have this incredible partnership with Westerot Coffee. And so I get to have delicious coffee that changes the world at home. I don't have to go anywhere else. I don't have to spend any extra money. Here's what I've learned about Westerot. Westrock's a brand that is changing lives by providing coffee that you can be proud to drink in your home. You want three cups a day, you want four cups a day, don't be embarrassed because you're drinking coffee that impacts the world. They focus on being a catalyst for real change in the lives of farmers and their families by paying a fair price for the coffee in their blends and offering farmers training to enhance the quality and quantity of their crops, which means we get better coffee and we get more of it. My favorite part about Westrock is that you can get it at local stores, you can get it at Kroger or at Bilo, but you can also just get it on Amazon. So we all know that that makes it 10 times easier to get anything if we can get it via Amazon. I hope that helps you. Number one, cut back on the amount of money you're spending outside of your house if that's a goal for you. And number two, just partner with a company that's actually impacting the world in a really, really beautiful way. You can go to westrockcoffee.com to find out more. Okay, here's what I want to do. Let's don't end on any of our silly questions because I just, this has been such a powerful half hour of preaching and teaching and encouragement. Will you end on this? Will you tell us what you think God thinks about your season right now? Oh, such a, you're such a good question asker. That's why you're so good at podcasting. <laughs> well, you're, you're very fun to ask questions too. Oh, it's, uh, okay. Can you repeat it so I make sure I answer what it appropriately? What do you think God thinks about your season? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I think that he thinks it's really good super important it's restoring the fullness of who i am from the earliest days it's not like a fragmented rebecca or like a fractured it's like a it's like a whole coming back together and it's so cool because you know it's like when he calls us to these things whether it's to be a daughter and then a mother And then like even the vocational things, not just family placement, but but the vocational things beyond those walls. He's just saying like, 
all these things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I just see like, I've been married 21 years. I'm 44, oh no, whatever. I think I'm 44. <laughs> like, it's my birthday come yet? No. Um, and I think uh, for so many years of my life, I tried to decentralize my initiatives. Like, I'm going to do this and then we're going to build this and we're going to live here. And it was almost this fracturing self that would try to like, Oh, now author. Oh, now speaker. Oh, now mother. Oh, now daughter. Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. and in the same year of losing my dad in April and bringing home a daughter in in, six months later, it was like him going, you know, the thing that I called you to in your being from the beginning, like all that is going to be this beautiful combination of the fullness of who you are, of who I made, who I created. And so I, I'm like craving the slow and the simple and the quiet and the still. And I guess I'm a little emotional about it. I'm like, not because it's more holy or more righteous, but it just feels more full. It feels more complete, less fractured, less fragmented. And I pray that that will be the new normal, like that it won't be this fracturing, but this wholeness. And because I believe that it is the wholeness that he intended from the beginning, I feel his nearness in it all, very near, very close, very sweet. And it's a tender thing. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, it's like a kindness that really is that's the kindness from a father to a daughter is like when he looks at her and goes like, Hey, I've known you from the day you took your first breath. And this is, this is the fullness of what I've always seen. Mm. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for just giving us a tiny glimpse into this season and letting us hear him in your words and in your testimony and and in your teaching. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. I love you, friend, so much. Can't wait to see you in person or next month when you call me for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye.